go ahead and turn our Bibles to the book of Joshua, chapter 24. We're still going on, as for me and my house, we're going to look at that verse real quick. But I also want you to turn, while you find that, go to 2 Chronicles, chapter 12. And we're going to look at that verse also, so that, that chapter. Um, probably one of the saddest chapters in the Bible is when you get into Joshua, I mean, in, into um, 2 Chronicles chapter 12. Let's go ahead and stand. Let's, let's go to Joshua. And what, I want you to turn with me, and we're going to read this together. And it's a verse you already know, but we're going to read verses, um, verse 15. Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15. And, it, and let's go ahead and read it together. It says, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which the fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. It's a verse we all know. We know the very end really well. As it says, But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's interesting when you study it that you want your, as Joshua said, I want my family to serve the Lord. I have a daughter that now is going to get married in less than 100 days. They're doing, they did that, we did the same thing. You start in Psalms 150 and you work your way back. And she's praying for that day when Psalms 1 is there, all right? And so she's down to, I think, 93 or 94 days and she talks to me and she calls me and one of the things I like to hear from her is when she tells me that her and her future husband are having devotions together and what they learned from the Bible today and how it could change their life. It's good to hear your kids say things like that. And here Joshua, he's saying in this, and I think one of the key words in this, let's go along and just read it. Just, I'll read it. You just follow along. It says, and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, the next word is what? Choose. We all have choices, right? We have choices of what we're going to eat, if we're going to exercise, if we're going to do right, if we're going to be bitterness, if we're going to have bitterness in our life, if we're going to have the right friends. We have all these choices, but it says, choose you this day, and we've got to choose something. Whom ye will serve. Everybody in here serving somebody. Watch, when I say a certain date, you'll know who you're serving. April 15th. We know who we're serving? The government. That's the dreaded tax day, Amen. And, and I don't like hearing that statistic of how many days you have to work until you pay your taxes off. I, when they say that, it just really irritates me. I don't want to know that. I'd rather not know it. I'd rather go blind to it and not even think about it. But we've got to choose this day whom we will serve. And then he says, whether gods which the fathers served that were on the other side of the flood in the past or the present of who you serve. And it talks about the Amorites in whose land you dwell. And that's very easy because you're with these people. You want to serve like they do. But then it says this, but as for me, the conjunction is saying, I'm not going to do what normal people do. I'm going to do opposite, but as for me and my house and my house, we're going to talk about that. We will serve the Lord. Not we might, we could, we, we shall, but we will serve the Lord. And as so I was studying this and, and you look at this, we've already looked at Lot. We saw what he lost. He lost so many things. And we can't go by what our relatives are doing. That's what Lot did. He went by Uncle Abraham. He said, okay, I'm going to follow him. We never, as I've said and pointed out, we've never seen him ever say that he built an altar. Abraham built the altars. And he was falling on his coattails. And at the very end, he lost everything. Lost all of his kids. He had these two girls that were with him. But he lost those also. And we're very quick to judge Lot's wife. 
But I wonder if she was looking back to see what was going to happen to her daughters and son-in-laws and sons. She had lost a lot also. And then she turns into a pillar of salt. Well, today we're going to look at one person for one week. It's probably the saddest story, I think, in the Bible. But I want us to get this. Is we're going to look at the kings. Do you realize Israel, why did Israel want a king? They wanted a king because every other country had one, and they wanted to be like every other country. But the first four kings of Israel, when you study them, first one was Saul. Interesting man. Next one was what? David. One after that is who? Solomon. Who's after Solomon? Rehoboam. Okay? Now let me show you how these guys started. Here's how they started and how they finished. Saul started good and ended bad. He started good and ended bad. If you study when he first took over, it wasn't about him. And there's just something about this power ray that just brings the, the worst out in people. And so here we have Saul. He was good and bad. And then you have David. He started out good and ended up good. Now now there was that one little aspect of Uriah and Bathsheba. But he used that to transform him even closer to the Lord. So he started out good and ended up good. Now, the Solomon is one we don't know a lot about. But we know that he started out good. And you say, well, he ended out bad. He ended out bad because he, God used him. And this is how God shows his mercy. God used him to do what? What was the main thing that he did as, as, a, as a king? He built the temple. David started out good, ended up good, and he couldn't build the temple because why? He was a man of war. He didn't want that. And so Solomon builds a temple, but the problem at the very end of Solomon's life is he had all these, these wives. And, they, and all of a sudden he starts building all these other temples and he goes off what he should have been doing. But you got Rehoboam, you say, well, what did he do? Did he start out good or start out and end up bad? He actually did start out good. I've got a verse and I'll show you the verse. He started out good. It was a small area of his life, but he ended up terrible. He ended up the worst one. So Israel wanted a king. Out of the first four kings, three ended up, ended up being bad. And one lost a lot of respect. He ended up good, but he lost a lot of respect from people, and he tried to turn that around. So when you look at this, you just see it's interesting when you look at the first four kings of Israel. And now come on the scene, we've got Rehoboam. But before we get to Rehoboam, it's interesting that they came to our church this morning, because I didn't know they were coming. They just showed that we didn't have this plan, did we? But watch this next, next presentation. What is going to happen to America? I can't stand to watch the news. There, there, there's honestly no good news. And it's not fair and balanced. I, I look at it and I go, the thing that scares me is we've got a little granddaughter at our house. What's America going to be like when she gets older? She's three years old, going on four. And I, love, of, love of our life. I love seeing her run around in our new house. I can go, you can't hear it upstairs, but we had some people doing some stuff at the bottom of the house. And she was, I told them that I, I forgot to tell my workers, I said, my wife's upstairs. And so she's going to just stay up there. You can just stay down here. And all of a sudden you hear, just like, like a big rodent running around the house upstairs. And then it hit me. Those workers think that's my wife running around upstairs. 
So I said, that is not my wife running up there. That's our grandbaby that's running. But she sounds like a herd of elephants running on, on those floors when you're underneath. You can't hear it upstairs, but when you're down there, it's like, what is she doing? But I look at this and I think, what's going to happen to America when she is a teenager? What's the normal going to be? All right, how many of you in here in my, in my category of age I graduated in the 80s in high school. Raise your hand. Do you remember the problems that we had when we were in school? They're nothing like they are now. I remember when people would, they would kind of almost say something and if they said it the wrong way, they'd get ridiculed for it. Now you could say, now right is wrong, wrong is right. What's going to happen to America if we don't do something? Choose you this day whom you will serve. And then Joshua says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It doesn't matter what the world does. It only matters what you do. Amen. I've got a daughter that's 23 years old, going to be married. And she lives out in California. I talked to Brother Getch when he was here. And if you miss Brother Getch, you missed a blessing. I want to tell you something, incredible speaker. Amen. And he's not much of a talker outside the pulpit. We were, we were trying to figure this out. He, he listens to you. I asked Denver, I said, did he talk to you very much? He, he talked to Denver more than he talked to me. And I was like, I, I had to pull it out of him. And, and I was talking to him about the legislation out there in California. It's amazing what they're doing. They're trying to get it where it's almost illegal to sell Bibles. What's going to happen in America? Bad situation. What about this? What about the church? You know what, 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 the, what the government wants to do? It wants to shut down churches. It wants us to be quiet. It wants us not to teach the Bible. It wants us not to say anything about what the Bible says. Because you know why? They're convicted of, they're convicted of, of who God is. And we have become men that are gods. And we want to supersede what God said. And there's no man in this world that can create something out of nothing. Our God is a great God. What's going to happen to our church? What about this? What's going to happen to our families? Satan knows what to attack. He wants to attack your family. He wants to get your children to go against you. He wants them to be raised. If you do some studying of communist, communism, what they did is they tried to raise the kids. Get them to believe something that their parents don't believe. It's a rough situation. But what's going to happen to all these things? What about personally? What's going to happen to you personally? Well, it starts with this. You've got to decide personally who you're going to choose, personally choose who your family's going to choose, personally figure out what the, what the church is going to do, and personally figure out what America's going to do. And it's on your shoulders. And so we have all these things, and what are we going to do with them? Well, here comes Rehoboam on the scene, and nothing new is under the sun, as his daddy would write. And so we have in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 12, let's go to 2 Chronicles chapter 12, interesting story. Interesting story, and it says, and it came to pass when Rehoboam had established the kingdom. He becomes the king and he establishes his kingdom. And that's a great thing to do. He has to establish, he has to bring his cabinet members in. He has to do it almost like what our government would do. Okay, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. We see this in the Bible all the time. We're studying who? On Wednesday night, Joseph. What did Joseph do? He comes in and he's right hand of who? Pharaoh. And he's running all these things. So he's established his kingdom, but watch this. And had strengthened himself. 
We can only go so far by our own ability and our own strength. We trust in the wrong person. If I'm trusting in Walter, I'm trusting in the wrong person. My Bible tells me to trust in the Lord with all thine heart and not lean into my own understanding. It doesn't say trust in yourself. You can do My personality will take me so far. My personality will take me just so far when it comes to people. But you know what we've got to get? We've got to get to where we don't realize and we strengthen ourselves. We've got to strengthen ourselves in God. Look at the next part. And forsook the law of the Lord. This is the whole story of Rehoboam. What does this mean? He threw out the five books, the Pentateuch. He threw them out. He said, listen, we don't need these. You've got to remember that David wrote a lot of Psalms and Solomon wrote some things in the Bible too. And a lot of times they'll refer to my son. I wonder if they were talking about Rehoboam at this point. So we have all these. He forsook the law of the Lord. And when you do this, other people are affected. He says, and all Israel with him. So, this is the cycle of life for most people. But we don't need to be most people. We need to be different from what the world says. The Bible calls Christians what? Peculiar people. If someone walked up to you and said, you know you're real peculiar. If you're sitting at their dinner table, let's just say, I know they would probably say this. Then let's say Teresa and Alan are sitting at dinner table. They're not going to say it to Teresa, but they walk up to Alan and say, you know, you're very peculiar. And then Teresa go, amen to that. Amen. You know, when we say the word peculiar, we're, we're supposed to be different. And here he said, this is a cycle of life for most people. See, what happens is, is Rehoboam establishes himself, thinks he can handle everything. And then he goes to war. And there's a man by the name, an interesting name, King Shashak. You ever heard of him? I guarantee you Rehoboam knew who King Shashak was. King Shashak comes on the scene and he's about ready to destroy everything that Rehoboam has established in himself. And if it wasn't for some people repenting, this cycle would have been terrible and Israel would have been destroyed. I want you to just read, let's go to verse number five. It says, Then, then came Shemaiah, the prophet of Rehoboam, to the princes of Judah that were gathered together to Jerusalem because of Shashak, and said unto them, Thus saith the Lord, ye have, ye have forsaken me, saying this to the king. And therefore have I also left you in the land of Shashak, hand of Shashak, Whereupon the princes of Israel and the king humbled themselves, and they said, The Lord is righteous. When the Lord saw that they humbled themselves, the word of the Lord came into Shemaiah, saying, They have humbled themselves, therefore I will not destroy them, but I will grant them some deliverance. It's interesting that he says some deliverance. There's still payment to be made for when you do something wrong. God always wants that restoration, but there's always payment. So what he does is he goes and jump, jump down to verse number 9. So Shashak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem and took away the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house and took all. He carried away also the shields of gold which Solomon had made instead of, being, instead of which King Rehoboam made shields of brass and committed them to the hands of the chief of the guard and kept the entrance of the king's house. It's very interesting what he does here. King Shashak, instead of taking everything, he goes to the house of the king and the temple and takes away artifacts from them. And they're artifacts, everybody knows what they are. This is the cycle of life for most people. We do wrong, God corrects us, and sometimes we don't learn from it, do we? You ever done something wrong, had to repeat it, amen? Am I the only child that ever had to do that? How many of you, how many of you liked um, listening to your mom and dad growing up? If your kids aren't looking, just raise your hand, amen? All right, there's sometimes mom and dad would tell me to do things that I didn't understand. One time my mom said, don't you go out and mow the grass. I was like, what? 
it. Okay, I won't mow the grass. And then I thought for a second it was convicting to me, so I went out and mowed the grass for her and just thought, okay, I'm going I'm to help you out. What I did not know is the grass was dead. It had not rained for a while and it was brown. I didn't know that I'm colorblind. I thought it was green, so I mowed it. I killed the whole yard. Because <laughs> I mowed it too short. You ever been there and you thought, okay, I'm going to do what God wants me to do? I should have just listened to my mother. You ever, ever done something? I know most of these kids today are just perfect angels. I just see some of their, their wings. They have to fold them down when they sit and everything's okay. Isn't that right? Okay, she's hiding behind grandma. All right, here we go. I mean, we get where we think our children... I, I love my grandchild. She does no wrong. And when she does wrong, I think it's funny because I don't have to correct her, amen? I mean, I'm not going to let her play with knives, but if she's sitting over there going, oh, that's kind of funny, you know, drawing on the wall. Wait till she goes home and does that. Mom's going to have a cow. And I look at my wife and we have changed. We are not the same person that we raised our own children. No, you're not going to do that. No, 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 no. Oh, that's so cute. Do it again. You ever been there? You sit there and you go, what in the world is that? When I look at this verse, it's the cycle of most people. We are like Rehoboam. We would not want to admit that, but we were like him. Okay, so so what? We lo I lost something. Well, here's what you've got to understand when you look at this. America, church, families, and pers personally, what, what's going to be affected by it? There's always judgment, and the judgment is King Shashak. And he goes to Rehoboam, he takes some vital things from him. There's always God's judgment. That's why I'm praying for America so strongly. I pray for our president, I pray for our vice president. I'm from Indiana, and everybody from Indiana likes Pence. I mean, I, I, I pray for these people all the time. I pray for our representatives in Tennessee. We've got to make sure we do that. Because we're the only hope that they have. Christ is the only hope that they have. And so when you look at these, let's look at these verses real quick. Um, there's a verse I didn't read. Go to verse number three. It says in verse number three, when, in verse number two, let's go start in verse number two. And it came to pass that in the fifth year of King Rehoboam, Shashak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem because they had transgressed against the Lord. And the judgment was King Shashak. Look at verse number three. With 1,200 chariots and threescore thousand men and the people were without number that came with him out of Egypt. That's amazing. Look at what he's got. He's got 1,200 chariots. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of chariots. I don't know if I've ever seen 100 chariots, let alone 1,200. I don't know what i do. Now look at this. 60,000 horsemen. Can you imagine the magnitude of this army? Then it even says this. They didn't even know how many people came with them. Well, when you cross-reference 1,200 chariots <clears throat> to 2 Chronicles eleven seventeen, go back to the chapter in front of it. Here's where I know that King, King Rehoboam started out right. It says, So they strengthened the king of Judah and made Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, strong three years. For three years they walked in the way of David and Solomon. For three years he does what, what he should be doing. But then you've got to look at this verse. Psalm 20, verses 7 through 9. And this verse, you don't need to turn to it. It's going to come up here in just a second. This verse is a verse that you know, verse number 7. It says this. Proverbs chapter, uh, Psalm chapter 20, verse 7 through 9. The first one says, some trust in what? Chariots. And some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. It's interesting that Rehoboam 
has, a, has an interest in himself. He's built himself up. And everything that King Shashak has, he wants. And he's trusted in all these strengths that he has. And here he's trusted in the chariots. He's trusted in the horses. But here in Psalm 20, verse 7, verse 8 says this, They are brought down and fallen. He says, but we are risen and stand upright. We have the ability to stand upright. We've got the answer. We've got Christ. We've got the Holy Spirit indwelling us. The world doesn't understand us. We are, we are all foreign to them, but as Christ comes in into our heart and the Holy Spirit indwells us, He makes us different. We have this. We're not going to fall. We need to stand upright. Now watch this. The last verse says, Save, Lord, let the King hear us when we call. You know what's interesting about this verse? This is everything Rehoboam wanted. He wanted to trust in chariots. He wanted to trust in horses. He wanted to build himself up and everything was going to be okay. But you know what's interesting about this? King David wrote this psalm. His own grandfather wrote this, wrote this psalm. He said, some trust in chariots. I wonder if David is rolling over in his grave when he realizes what, what, what really Rehoboam is doing. He's building himself up and everything's okay. But it's not okay. How many of you ever tried to build yourself up? Well, look at, how many of you have written, written your resume? Read your resume and just think about it. Would you hire that person? Well, this guy's done everything. I mean, he's a great guy. Then you realize you've written about yourself. Rehoboam had built himself up. And here his grandfather says, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses. But it says, but we will remember the name of our Lord our God. That was the most important part of that verse. It wasn't about what you have, it's about what God gave you. And so here we go to the next, next part. I want you to see this. God's teaching moment to Rehoboam. When God teaches him, it's found in verse number 9. In verse number 10. Verse 9 and 10. It says, so Shashak king of Egypt came up against Jerusalem and took away the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. He took all and carried away also the shields of gold which Solomon had made. So his daddy had brought all this wealth in and he made these shields of gold. He takes them all and then what does Rehoboam do? Okay, they took them. What are we going to do? They all need shields. They're protecting my house. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make them out of brass. I've got a message that's totally about this. It's called from gold to brass. Can I tell you this? When you look at gold and you look at brass, they look very similar. But they don't cost the same amount. If Ray came up to me and said, hey, Pastor Wagner, do you want a pound of gold or a pound of brass? You know which one I would say 100% of the time? Gold. But when he, when he does this, the teaching moment to them is there's three different types of people that know he's settled for second best. The first one's his enemy. This is Shashak, but in us it's Satan. We know when, we, we know when we've settled for second best. Oh, it might look like gold, but it's not gold. The second one is the guards, those close to us knowing we've settled for second best. Can you imagine them coming on the, on the, on the um, shit? They, they're, they're going around and all of a sudden it's their shift. And they, and they go, okay, it's my turn to guard the shields. It's my guard to guard the palace. Can I have the shield? And they pick the shield up. It's like, well, this isn't the shield we had yesterday. No, the, the enemy has taken those. These are what our king now has given us. They might look the same and they look, but you know what? What happens to brass? What happens to brass? It tarnishes all the time. We were out in California and I worked at a ministry and they had this grand idea to put brass everywhere. Church was a large church and I, I remember seeing the cleaning guy. 
he had so much brasso that he would go and clean all the handrails were brass. We had to do that about every two weeks. It's not like gold. And who knows that we've settled for second best the enemy, the guards, and every time King, every time King Rehoboam went by that, he saw it. We know when we settled for second best. We've got to quit settling for second best and understand that God has something for us. Amen? How did Rehoboam end up in this situation? Here's a teaching moment, and God teaches him, says, listen, I've taken these shields, and, and I'm not going to take you and, and let you be everything that could have happened. You could have all died. And he gives him these shields. The enemy knows, the guards know, the people know. There's something interesting with this story. How did Rehoboam end up in this situation? Here's what it says. One of the saddest verses in the Bible is found in verse number 14. Watch this. He goes, on the, he goes in and all of a sudden he, he, he looks at the very end. He's, God has judged him. God has taken things from him. And in verse number 14, it's a cycle of life. Here's what it says. And he did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. When will we ever learn? When will we learn? I mean, I make decisions and sometimes those decisions are wrong. And those wrong decisions make me get punished by God. Look at these things here that he says, and he did evil. It's just four words, and it's so simply put. He did evil. What does that mean? It could mean a lot of different things. But we know he wasn't doing what God wanted to do. He had forsaken the law of the Lord. Not Joshua, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Not Rehoboam. And he did evil. Look at the next part. Because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. Let's break this down into three parts, and we'll be done real quick. The first thing is he did not prepare. You know, I realize being married to my wife, there's ways to leave the house and ways not to leave the house. Amen? Even down to the pillows. Amen? And she's probably listening on the internet. I'll probably get in trouble for this one. But anyways, it's true. We have three pillows we put on our bed. It's, it's not made until those three pillows. And these, these pillows we don't even use. Every night we take them off the pillow. Hey, you're going to sleep in the bed the next night. Leave it on... I liked how it was when I, when I ended. I want to get back into right where it ended. Amen? And there's three pillows. Two pillows go like this, and one pillow goes in front. She gets so mad at me when I take that pillow and invert it <laughs> diagonally. I didn't see it on the instructions, but she'll say, it doesn't go that way. All the dishes have to be washed. When she was pregnant with Meredith, she was bedridden for the last three months. We'd have people from the church come over and help us clean the house. Before they'd come over, you know what she'd say? Go clean the house. I said, that's what they're there. She goes, I don't want, you, I don't want them to think that you're a slob or I'm a slob. We've got to clean the house. And they'd come over the house and say, the house is clean. What am I doing here? Oh, just sit and talk to my wife for three hours. And I'm sitting there sweating because I've been working for three hours. There's just things you go, you got to figure it out as you go. Here, you got to be prepared. How do you be prepared? Read your Bible every day. Talk to the Lord. Walk with Him. He, he will talk with you and walk with you. Rehoboam did evil because he prepared not. He didn't have a preparation. He's just going on his own and figuring out what was, what was going to work. And did it work for him? No. I'll tell you, it's as a pastor, it's so struggling when you work with churches. Because people get so offended on little things. And people, people leave church for no reason. I never understood that. I try to walk with the Lord and talk with the Lord. And what really irritated me is the man that molested my, my wife. His church ran 3,500. How, how in God's eyes 
Could, he, could God bless that ministry and see it grow when He was doing this to hundreds of people? It's hard for me to fathom that. But it's, that doesn't matter what other people do. It matters what I do. I've got to prepare. You've got to prepare. And if you're not prepared for it, guess what? There's going to be a storm and it's going to knock you off your feet. That's why we sang that, word, that song about being on a solid rock. There's something about being on a solid rock. When a storm comes, you're okay. So we've got to look at this one. He was preparing, not the second one. He did not guard his heart. One of the biggest things that you can do is protect your heart. How do you protect your heart? Through his word. Through his word. It's just that simple. He threw out the law and his heart was vulnerable. And when his heart was vulnerable, look at the verse. It says, he prepared not his heart. Your heart and your brain, all the devil is attacking your heart and brain all the time. Have you ever got worked up over something that was nothing? Amen. Well, they didn't even say hello to me. What are they thinking? They don't like me anymore. I love it when people come up and say negative things to you. That's always wonderful. Amen. That just wonders my, makes my heart feel great. You go, wow, bring it on, keep saying things like that. That makes me feel wonderful. The Bible says this, he prepared not to guard. We've got to guard our heart. You know what happens every night at our house? Same question. Before we go to bed, there's going to be one question. You know what it's going to be? Are the doors locked? I came up with an ingenious thing to say to her. No, they're not. I've put the neon light on that says outside, come on in, take everything, amen? <laughs> Tonight I go to bed. Are the doors locked? You know why? It's a preparation. It, it, it's a protection. It's guarding what we have that might be vulnerable. The Bible says this, that he, he, prepared, he did evil because he prepared not his heart. He did, he did not prepare and he did not guard his heart. And you know what the last one is? Everybody knows it. Look at the last one. He did not seek the Lord. It's just that simple. You say, well, Pastor Wagner, what's, 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 this so, what's this about us? Because if you want your family and you're going to serve the Lord, you've got to do all these things. You've got to have preparation. How many of you prepared for church this morning? Everybody in this room did, okay? You know how I know that? Your hair. Now, some of you, Mike Brown back there, he doesn't have to worry about that, but other people do. Amen. Amen. He saves a lot of money on shampoo. But anyway, um, as you go through this, we all prepared. You know, the times that I don't want people to see me, I was working, I had dirt all over me, and I went to, I went to Walmart. I thought I'd fit right in. And of course, someone shows up. I forget who it was. Somebody in this room, I forget who it was. They started talking to me. I was like, oh, my word, I can't believe they're seeing me. Oh, I know who it was. Yeah, I know who it was. There are two of them are in here. They were stalking me in, the, in Walmart. But, you know, I thought, oh, my word, I'm just going in to get something and get out. No one's going to see me. I'd got dirt all over me. I had not prepared for people to see me, and that's the last thing I wanted. But, of course, these people and two of them are talkers. Amen? We've got to be prepared. We've got to guard our heart, and we've got to seek the Lord. See, when you make a decision... You've got to seek Him. You've got a king here that doesn't seek Him, 
And go back to that first verse. When he doesn't seek him, who does it affect? All of Israel. It's going to affect your family. It's going to affect your wife. It's going to affect your kids. And you know, when you read that verse, Ray, can you imagine that verse being about you? And he did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. That would be a terrible verse to be written about anybody. But it was written about a king. And who's affected by it? Well, it's just simple. It's this that's affected by it. Well, America. It's affected by what we do. The church is affected by what we do. Our families are affected by what we do. And personally, we're affected by what we do. I don't want it to ever be said that Pastor Wider did evil because he seeked not his heart to seek the Lord. Prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. I don't want that. And neither do you. So what do we do? We don't act like Rehoboam. We, 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 we prepare ourselves for the Lord. We guard our heart. And we seek the Lord. It's just that simple. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Choose you this day.